0: As you watch this teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it. My name is Rick Renner and this is Wednesday. And tonight we're going to keep talking to you about Trick or Treat, a Christian response to Halloween. And I'm here with Denise and Maxime. Hi guys.
1: Hi Rick and welcome home group. Are you enjoying these Home groups, De- we're enjoying being with you.
0: Denise, your jacket is beautiful. Oh,
1: thank you, Rick.
0: I like that. Well, thanks. And Maxime, we're so glad you're here. I'm happy to be here and being in this program, so
2: it's like being in a Bible school. Really? Yes.
0: Maxime, what are you getting out of these programs on Halloween? Uh,
2: I, my desire to live right grows. That's the, that's the, the main result. Mm-hmm. live correctly, stay away from the things that can
0: pollute me. Pollute you. Well, tonight we're going to talk about spiritual pollutions. While the modern church is filled with spiritual pollution. And you know, I can hear you saying amen. You know it's true. But we're talking about Halloween this week. And should a Christian participate in Halloween or should they not? And when I was a child, when Denise was a child, probably when you were a child, We didn't think twice about it. I mean, we just looked forward to Halloween. I can remember going to the Safeway with my parents and then buying bags of candy, getting ready for Halloween. And guess how much money Americans spent on Halloween last year? $9 billion. Now, that is a big amount of money. $9 billion last year on Halloween. So this is not something of the past. People are still celebrating Halloween. Should Christians? Well, wait till you hear the history of Halloween. That's what we're going to cover tomorrow night. When you hear how it all started and what it really means, I think you're going to be pretty shocked. And then on Friday night, we're going to talk about all the occult things connected to Halloween. It is shocking. And you know, when you're ignorant, you can do things. But when you become informed you suddenly are accountable. When we were kids, we were ignorant. Our parents were ignorant. Your parents were probably ignorant. Maybe you were ignorant with your own kids.
1: I just wanted that candy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Denise. I loved that candy. I just loved to get all that candy inside of that bag and then and fill it up and then get another bag.
0: Honey, I don't even know how I carried my bag. How in the world did I carry all that candy? I mean, I would fill a whole big brown grocery sack from Safeway, because that's where we bought our groceries, Uh, to the top. Uh, How did my little arms carry all that candy? Bring it home. I can remember walking in the house, me, Rhonda, and Lori, we would turn those bags upside down and pour it like a mountain of candy. And go back out on the street, start all over again.
1: Well, the reason that it was so important to me is because we didn't have any candy in our
0: house. That's because your mother (laughs) didn't have sugar.
1: Well, we had sugar, but we didn't buy candy and pop.
0: Oh, I can still see the bit of honey. I can still see the bubble gum, the big round bubble gum. Oh, yeah. I can still see the peanut rolls. Oh, I love those peanut rolls.
1: And if you got a Reese's cup, you get the jackpot.
0: There was so much lollipops. I mean, this is kids. We just loved it all.
1: rope rope.
0: And you know, I usually dress like a skeleton. Now, how did you dress up?
1: I dressed up like a princess.
0: <sighs> Honey, you're still dressing like a princess. Oh, that's me. <laughs> I'm a princess. <laughs> Isn't that amazing, Maxine? You missed all that because you grew up in the yes. Soviet Union. I'm getting lots of revelations. I have a question. Okay. If, 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 if,
2: if it's okay to ask. You said Americans spent $9 billion?
0: $9 billion last year. I hope they spent more on Christmas. Are there any statistics? I don't know. I'm sure Christmas is a much bigger okay. holiday. But, I mean, nonetheless, $9 billion is $9 billion on a very wicked holiday. Now, i got to go back to what my dad said. When our kids were born and when they were young, my dad said, Rick, you are such a killjoy. You're just such a killjoy you told them there's no such thing as Santa Claus. <laughs> upset my dad so bad. He said, and you won't let your kids dress up like devils and go out and do Halloween. I said, daddy, I don't think it's right to teach your kids that Santa Claus is real. And dad, if, if other people want to, that's fine. And I'm not going to dress my kids like devils. I don't think it's funny. And you and I just are going to disagree about this. And it's okay. But, oh, it would just upset my daddy so much. My daddy was so precious. Anyway, how should Christians respond to Halloween? Well, hopefully they don't practice it. Maybe their church has Halloween. Maybe it has some substitute holiday. I think that's great. I remember when our kids were young, our church, which was Grace Fellowship, pastored by Bobby Indian, they had a hallo- they had a hallelujah party. And the kids dressed like biblical characters. It was really a wonderful event. I it was a lot of fun. That. So, you know, maybe you need to find an alternative for your kids. In Moscow, we have Halloween, which is a night of worship. And it is awesome. Anyway, we're talking a lot about Halloween because this week, My regular TV program is called Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween. Denise, I've never taught on this ever before, but I just decided it was time to touch this subject. And the study guide is free. You can download it at renner.org. It is our gift to you. But if you want the whole series, and I would really recommend you get it and give it to your kids or your grandkids or somebody that is a parent or to your pastor. And it's called Trick or Treat, A Christian Response to Halloween, five-part series. The back of it says, do you know how to respond biblically to Halloween, my friend? You are a Christian. So you need to have a Christian response to Halloween. And we're also offering you my book, which is called Dress to Kill. Denise, this is an amazing book.
1: Oh, it is. And people need it because they need to know that they have authority.
0: This book will tell you that you have authority over the devil and will teach you how to use it and will show you the weaponry that God has given you to use against every attack of the devil. But tonight we're going to go back to 1 John chapter 5 verse 21. And in 1 John chapter 5 verse 21, John, the apostle is very elderly. He is living in his house. <laughs> which is on top of a hill outside the city of Ephesus, just above the temple of Artemis. Well, the temple of Artemis was a very, very evil, evil, sinister place. It was so massive that it was one of the seven wonders of the ancient world. There were 6,000 priests and priestess who served in the worship of Artemis. It was such a center of Artemis worship that on a high holy day, people would come from the whole Roman Empire to Ephesus to worship Artemis. And the city of Ephesus, which normally had about 200,000, on those days could swell to one million people. That is unthinkable. And they sold trinkets. They sold idols. You can read about a big revolt of the idol makers in Acts chapter 20 and I mean, it's just amazing how dark, dark, dark was Ephesus. And by the way, it was very sophisticated. They were not brainless people. Ephesus was called the light of Asia. It was a very sophisticated place. You know, sophisticated people can be very dark. It was a dark place. And John's house was on a hill. And from where his house was, it overlooked the temple of Artemis. I mean he literally looked on the roof of the Temple of Artemis. Maxime, is that the truth? Very true. And the reason he lived there is because it was kind of a secluded location. If he had lived in Ephesus, he would have had a hard time doing his ministry because in Ephesus, he probably would have quickly been arrested. Christian leaders couldn't come see him there. He couldn't operate in secret in Ephesus. But by being there behind the Temple of Artemis, on the hill, looking down on the roof of the Temple of Artemis. They kind of left him alone, at least in the earlier years of his ministry. But from where John lived, he could see the smoke coming right out of the roof, the open area of the inner sanctuary of the Temple of Artemis. He could see the smoke going into the air. From where John lived, he heard the noise of worshipers. He heard the sounds of the instruments. 24 hours a day. He could not get away from it. And that was living on a hill behind the temple. What about the people who live in Ephesus? Oh, in Ephesus, there was the temple of Serapis. Talk about dark, devious. That was a man's religion. There was the temple of Isis. That was so evil. It was so... Um, clandestine what they did in that temple that a wall was built around it so you couldn't see all the activities going on behind the wall. There was the temple of Zeus. I mean, it just goes on and on and on and on and on. The temple of Domitian there in Domitian Square. The whole city was just filled with it. Even if you walked into the market just to buy food, there were idols everywhere. The Romans had idols at the street corners. They had spirits of door hinges. They had spirits of babies being delivered. They had spirits of the bakeries. They had spirits, 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 spirits everywhere. And by the way, that's why you need to get this book called A Light and Darkness. This one, and you need to get this one called No Room for Compromise. We only have a few copies of this left at the office, but you can go online to get it at renner.org. These books will really walk you into what the New Testament church was dealing with every single day. We need to understand the context in which the church was born into in the power of God. They were a light in darkness and they were called to live separate. Separate. And they were viewed by locals as being antisocial. Now, let's go back to 1 John five twenty one. So in light of all of this, John says, little children, keep yourself from idols, and he ends with the word amen. Don't you love it when he says little children? But the word keep is the Greek word philoso, and I want you to listen to what it means. It means to save, protect, preserve, or to guard. It depicted uninterrupted vigilance, the word philoso. Uninterrupted vigilance, which means never a pause from being vigilant. It was used to describe shepherds, who showed vigilance in keeping their flocks from an outside wolf or outside force. It was used to depict a military guard who exercised unbroken vigilance. Unbroken, could never take a pause, he had to be wide awake all the time. It meant to guard, protect, secure, shield, watch over in order to protect ones from some outside foul force. So the very fact that John used the word keep meant he knew there was a foul force trying to get on the inside. He was calling on Christians, and the Greek tense is so strong, he was commanding them to have uninterrupted vigilance, to not allow that evil to get into their life. Then he says, keep yourself from. The word from is a Greek word, apo. The word apo implies intentional distance, intentionally, put distance between yourself and idols. Well, idolatry is where all this demonic activity took place. And by the way, everybody was an idol worshiper. Everybody. Everybody was an idol worshiper. If you got saved and your family didn't get saved, your family would have thought you'd lost your mind. What do you mean you're not going to worship idols? We all worship idols. What do you mean you're not going to go to the temple? I mean, when you became a Christian, it really puts you in an anti-position to all of life around you, immediately society would not understand you. You know what? If the world doesn't understand you, that's okay. It's nothing new. And then when you come to the end of this verse, John ends with the word amen. Well, we kind of use amen just as amen. a statement of agreement or to end the statement. But the word amen really is an emphasis marker to emphasize a statement of great importance. And here's the RIV. I told you I was going to quote it again tonight. Here's the RIV of John, 1 John 5.21. Listen carefully, my friend. Little children, I immediately order you to withdraw from idols. Those idols and what they represent are so evil that you need to seriously guard yourself against them and stay away from them altogether. I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I don't mean, it would have been hard for them to even do it. Idols were everywhere. But I'm leaving no wiggle room on this issue. I'm absolutely and emphatically ordering you to immediately put as much space as possible between yourself and idols. They are evil and represent a menace to your life. So you must urgently guard against them. And what I'm telling you right now is not open for debate and is not optional. That's what the Greek tense means. It is an order that I am fully expect you to obey. In fact, to underscore the seriousness of what I'm telling you, I'm even adding an amen to stress the point. I expect you to explicitly obey my instructions on this issue and do it now. <laughs> That's as strong as it can be. No wiggle room. Do not go anywhere where you're going to have to burn incense to an idol or to participate in idolatry. Now, as you continue reading in the New Testament, you read about the evil of idolatry in Acts 15:20, Romans tw- 1, 22 32, 1 Corinthians 5:10, 1 Corinthians 6:9, 1 Corinthians 8:1, 1, 1 Corinthians 10:7, 1 Corinthians 10:14, Colossians 3:5, 1 Peter 4:3, Revelation 2:14, Revelation 9:20, 20, Revelation 21:8, and Revelation 22, 15. The Bible is filled with instructions about this. But now I want you guys to go in your Bibles to Acts chapter 15.
1: Rick, can I say something? Mm -hmm.
0: Verses 19
1: to 20. Because the um, Apostle John and the scriptures, not just trying to set up rules, keep yourself from idols. But why keep yourself from idols? It's
0: protection.
1: Because it dulls your spirit from hearing from God. It grieves the Holy Spirit. We we need to keep our ourselves as open to the, hear the Holy Spirit as we can because He's our guide, He's our help, He's our comforter, and when and these idols, as Rick was using the word, they pollute, they dirty the waters. It's not clear. It's compromised. We, compromise. wa- we want to present a clear message of the gospel, not a muddied up version influenced by the worship of idols
0: or by worldliness mm-hmm. is that all applies to worldliness but go to acts 15 19 to 20 where you're going to see the word pollution it says wherefore my sentence is that we trouble them not which from among the Gentiles are turned to God so these pagan idol worshipers are getting saved they're coming out of the temples they're being delivered they're being set free they're being filled with the Holy Spirit And it says, but we write unto them that they abstain from the pollutions of idols. The word abstain, the word pollutions, both of these words are important. The word abstain, the Greek word epekomai, listen to what it means. You ready, guys? To abstain from, to withdraw from, to stay away from, to put distance between oneself and something else, to deliberately or intentionally refrain from something, to put physical distance between oneself and something else. This means this is intentional. This is very intentional, the word abstain. And it says to abstain from the pollutions of idols. The word pollutions describes something that is defiled, that has a polluting and contaminating effect. Wow. And so these Christians, some of them were compromising. They were saying, oh, come on. We don't want the world to think that we're antisocial. Let's just go back into those temples. And the elders in Jerusalem said, wait, 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 wait. Those places and those actions have a contaminating, polluting effect. Why? We saw last night because of demonic activity that is connected to it. And Paul says, don't hang out in places, don't even buy meat in temples. If it's going to cause your soul to be reengaged with a spiritual influence that's going to depress you or oppress you or take you down, don't walk on the edge of a dangerous cliff. Find another way to, to walk. Buy meat somewhere else. Don't go to those places that are bad for your soul. Now, somebody might say, but wait a minute, wait a minute. Jesus lives in me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. That's right. But your head can be influenced. You know, the soul is interesting. If you go to a place where they're playing moody music, even though the greater one is in you, you can kind of feel moody. If you go into a dark room, it can have a depressing influence. If you go into a room that's filled with light and uplifting music and joy, it can lift you up. None of that's about your spirit. That's all about your soul. The soul, the mind, the will, the emotions, it is affected by what is around you. That's why you need to be careful what kind of music you listen to, what kind of TV programs you watch, what kind of movies you go to see, who you hang out with, because your soul, your mind, your will, and emotions is engaged with what's going on around you, and it can affect you. You can have the greater one living on the inside of you, but your soul is so hampered because you've allowed your mind, your will, and your emotions to be engaged with a wrong environment. Denise?
1: Well, your soul is so precious because that's how you express your spirit. You express your spirit through your soul. That's right. Through your mind, through your emotions, through your will. And so, if we're polluting our soul, then it's like we're damming up the very uh, vehicle or pipe in which the Holy Spirit wants to operate through.
0: You know, Denise, I'm just thinking about the modern church. Now, let's just be really honest. This week, the Pope announced that it's time for us basically to endorse same-sex marriages. Why can't I begin to tell you how disappointed I am? I am so disappointed about it. What's happened to the modern church? It's polluted. The modern church is polluted. You know why? Because they have exposed their soul to a contaminating influence in the name of social justice. And in the name of social justice, everything is fine. Whatever you want to do, everybody is the child of God. First of all, everybody is not the child of God. The Bible does not teach that. We are not all God's children. You have to become a child of God by the new birth. Everybody is not a child of God. Everybody is made in the image of God. That doesn't mean everybody is a child of God. People are lost and people are going to hell. You have to become a child of God.
1: Jesus said that.
0: He said, you have to be born again, John chapter 3. But unfortunately today, the church has subjected its mind to wrong influences over and over and over. Do you know what a reprobate mind is? There are a lot of reprobate Christians. And in fact, I would just say a great majority of the modern church is a reprobate church. The word reprobate is the Greek word adukimus. It describes something that formerly was dochimus, it was approved, but now it has become affected. It is an ill-affected mind. It is a mind that has been bombarded and bombarded and bombarded and bombarded until it no longer thinks what it used to think, it's been modified, it's been altered, it has become reprobate. Now, we usually think the word reprobate means somebody's just a really lewd, low-level person. Not necessarily. It just means their mind is affected. They can't think the way they used to think because their mind has been penetrated, their mind has been taken captive. That's really what a reprobate mind is. And there are a lot of Christians today, Christians, the greater one lives on the inside of them. Isn't that amazing? But their mind has become reprobate. They are condoning and endorsing and embracing things that the greater one inside them would never condone or endorse. Talk about a spiritual conflict, the spirit of holiness living on the inside of them, and their mind embracing things that are out of kilter with the Spirit of God. I'm telling you, the modern church is messed up. And the Bible says it is a polluting influence. And the modern church is filled with spiritual pollution. It is filled with it. Now, we can clean it up. We can clean it up. But in order for a reprobate mind to become normal again, it takes a serious process. An ill affected mind, a damaged mind, that's really what the word reprobate means. It's really about the mind. It can be put back in order, but it requires that mind to be submitted to the Bible. And just like that mind has been inundated by wrong, 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 wrong thinking, it has to be bombarded with the truth of God's Word, the truth of God's Word. And the truth of God's Word has a way of changing the plasticity of the mind. It can change the way your mind works. It can change the way that your mind thinks so that your soul gets back into agreement Mm
1: -hmm. with
0: God with God who is inside you. And the only way the modern church is going to get cleansed up are you ready for this? Is if there's a revival of the Bible. That's it. The renewing of the mind. And for your mind to be renewed, you have to reject wrong thinking and make a decision to change the way you're thinking. I'm telling you to renew a reprobate mind is a big deal, but it can happen. It can happen to you. If you've embraced wrong thinking, your mind can get back in order again, but you got to submit your mind to the bombardment of Bible truth. And it will absolutely put your mind back in order again.
1: Well, in repentance.
0: Repentance. That's, well, every time you reject a lie, that is repentance.
1: Yes. You're saying yes to the truth of God's Word and no to the lies.
0: Maxine? The other day you
2: and I were talking and you said something that made me think. What if Apostle Peter, John, Apostle... Uh, Paul were alive today and they saw the modern church, the state of the modern church. What would they say about the modern church?
0: Well, I think in a lot of cases, they wouldn't even recognize this as the church. They would not call it a church. Because the the New Testament church was very separate. It lived a very separate life. And it, I liked what Denise said at the beginning of the program. It's not about rules and regulations. No, no, no. It's about staying free. Staying free. For example, talking about spiritual pollution. there are some TV programs I can't watch. That's not a restriction. That's not a rule. That's not a regulation. It affects me. It's not good for me. I don't watch those programs. Even though they're entertaining to my soul, they're not good for me. They bring a spiritual pollutant into my way of thinking. And so I, I withdraw from them. doesn't mean I'm living by rules and regulations. It means I love my soul enough. That I'm going to protect it. And I'm going to honor the one who lives in me. Denise, we're almost out of time.
1: I know. Just the other day, there was a program that I really liked. And I don't watch TV hardly ever. But there's one program that I really like. And there was this one guy on this program. And I was like, oh, I'm not supposed to watch this guy. And I haven't watched him anymore.
0: There was a pollutant in that program. There was
1: a pollutant in that program. And the Holy Spirit, he will warn you about it.
0: Maxine?
2: Yet many Christians turn on their TVs and they say, let's see what those sinners are doing. You know, let's check.
0: Well, you know what? We might be reheaded to the, not, not might, we are living in the times when we just have to be willing to take the brunt of society. It's okay, nothing new. Jesus said if the world loves you, there's something wrong with you. If they don't like you, they didn't like him either. You just need to say, you know what, I love me, I love Jesus in me, and I'm going to do what I have to do to make sure I'm not polluted. Amen. And that might mean you don't need to celebrate Halloween, but we're going to come back tomorrow night. I'm going to give you the history of Halloween. You're going to be shocked when you hear this tomorrow night. We're out of time. We love you. We'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye. If you enjoyed that teaching, please subscribe, like, and comment so more people can see it.